0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Music of Life Church Podcast. We are going to discuss the Principle of Contrastive Thinking episode. If you haven't heard it, please give it a listen. We're going to break down the episode so you can help people who've been hurt by this topic. I'm Pastor Jonathan here with Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Joel. Hey, Pastor Jonathan. What did you think about the episodes? What are some of your initial thoughts?
1: I really liked it. This is the most powerful of the four principles we're going to cover And I feel like I understand it. this was, and this was the hardest one for me to, to get a grasp on and not just because of the contrastive thinking is the ability to consider the opposite perspective, but Mm -hmm. for two reasons why, why it was hard for me to embrace is because for, for quite a while, I was one of the people who thought I was being contrastive when I was using this principle on other people yep and also I didn't really grasp the whole all we know for sure is what isn't true line so with the first thing when I when I finally realized you know contrastive thinking is about me finding out where I'm wrong it just was really settling and I think I was I think Unfortunately, I learned that lesson through experience because I was just trying to help people so much and so much of that help was being done by me trying to expose contradictions in their lives in one step that people were being turned off by what I was trying to help them with. So unfortunately, I had to learn that lesson. I hope the people listening and learning this stuff now can learn from my mistakes be contrastive on yourself. And, and what that does is it actually causes us to be more received by other people. Mm. I found the more contrastive I am on myself, especially when I'm arguing or interacting with another person, really what that says is that person has more is more likely to be heard regardless of what they believe and how different from what I believe it is. They're being heard because I'm open. I'm open to what they're saying and they Mm. can feel that. And then the second thing, really, it's just this, all we know for sure is what is it true? That seemed just so conflicting to like, but what I believe is true though. But what I believe is true. What do you mean? All I know for sure is what isn't true. Right. I know things for sure that are true. And it's like, no, you have deeply held beliefs, Joel. And you are fully convinced of those beliefs,
0: you but you are, don't have, you are fully convinced that they yes. are. Okay.
1: And, and I also know and the line that really helped pl- clear that up for me is this idea that I don't have all the information, even about the beliefs that I have a lot of information about. Yeah. Solid information. Mm-hmm doctrinally based information, I still don't have all of it. And that's one of the flaws of being a human being or not even a flaw, a limitation is that we don't know everything. So is it possible that there's a piece of information out there that I don't yet have that could poke a hole in what I believe? Yes, In fact, that's the journey I've been on for every belief that I hold to be true. Okay,
0: because this is one of the things I wanted to talk about. Let's talk about God being right and just. Okay. Which is a belief that you and I hold very deeply. Very deeply. Right? So all we know for sure is what isn't true. So how do I... You know, when I believe that God is right and just, do I still need to be open to considering that He's not? Is that? (laughs) But how, okay. So, what can I say is true and what's not true objectively?
1: Well, the simple answer is we need to use all four of the principles that determine truth. This one principle of contrastive thinking is not enough to help us determine what is or is not truth objectively and again this is why it is important for us to have and to use all four all four all four all four principles together when we do that it helps us determine truth objectively so truth we've defined it as facts that create over the long term it is a right what with the right how and why That's going to be true, but how do we determine what's something with the right what and the right how and why is we need to go through these four principles of truth to really what we're we're doing is we are removing every contradiction by embracing all the information. That's really what we're doing. The thing, the issue with us is that we just don't have all the information. Now, we have a shortcut to a lot of this because God is a God of truth. Truth, All truth is God's truth. And there is a lot of truths just expressly stated right in the word of God in the Bible.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So we don't have to find out God is right and just on our own. I mean, go to Deuteronomy 32.4. It's right there. Right. Now, what do we do? Like, how do we, how, so is, are you wondering, like, how do I be contrastive on that belief of God being right and just?
0: Yeah. And how do I say, how do I say, yeah, it's, how it's do I tell how, people it's true? Yeah.
1: When all I know for sure is what isn't true.
0: Yeah. So it's like, it, we know that God is not love, his nature is not love he's not always complete loving we know that he's not in control of everything we know that he's you know those omnis as they're traditionally defined so we know that it's not this it's not this it's not this and we're left with god being right and just how do i know that that's true did i just give away the answer
1: what's the sherlock holmes quote where he says How often have I said to you that when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Really what he's saying there is when you've eliminated the contradictions, whatever remains, however crazy it might sound, must be the truth. That statement from Sherlock Holmes essentially is what you're getting at, Pastor Jonathan when we have examined all the information and removed all the contradictions whatever's left when we have examined all the information must be true but that we're we're talking though about what we know all we know for sure is what isn't true so m- most of the things that i do know for sh- that I do know, uh, there's a lot of things I know. I'm just not for sure about them.
0: Oh, and for sure is, what does that mean? It means like, without a doubt, there's no, there's no possible way that that could be the answer.
1: Right. Yeah. About it. Yeah. So that's all we know for sure is there that the only thing we're object, the only thing we can objectively say is true is things that we know for sure. Aren't the reason is again, this just simply comes down to us human beings, not having all the information. Right. So this isn't me saying the only things you believe are things that aren't true. No, I believe a lot of things that are true, but the only things that I know for sure are what isn't true. And, and the things that I am for sure about that are true, the only way I've gotten there is if I've been through all the information. Mm-hmm. That's why this principle is so important and so powerful. It's the only principle in a model for determining truth that I've ever seen of any model for determining truth mm-hmm. that invites scrutiny on itself. Right. It's asking, prove me wrong. Hmm. So all I know for sure is what is it true? There are things I do know for sure that are true. But the only way I get there is if on the journey to getting there, I've been through all the information. And the only person who's in that state of being is God. Okay. Okay. So that's why we need to be contrastive because I may be missing information. Now, what's cool is God's contrastive. Jesus is contrastive, even though they have all the information. Yeah, they're
0: really the most, aren't they?
1: They are. Yeah. So they don't even ask us to do something that they're not willing to do themselves. Yeah. So that's where, I mean, I can state God is right and just as true. I believe it to be true. I have Mm -hmm. support for it outside of myself for it to be true. Yeah. I can objectively show you that it's true, but I also need to be open to, well, maybe there's something out there that I don't so, know.
0: So I need to be open to basically, you know, reading the Bible or when when we say God's nature is right and just, I need to be open to the idea that God could tell me otherwise. Yeah. But, then, however, if we live according to God being right and just, and it that is true, then it will create in
1: our lives, right, over the long term. Over the long yeah, term, things will and build. It,
0: yeah, and I'll it'll remove contradictions, and things will, will make
1: more sense over. Things time. will make
0: more sense. So these yeah. beliefs are not. I'm not using them less. I'm using them more, and they're making more sense. Right, and so that you know, if that were to, to be wrong or end up being destructive, or if I were to follow a belief that ends with me being more destructive, that's a really good sign that that belief is not true. Right. Cause truth creates. Yeah. So if I have a belief and what it does is it makes me depressed that depression is destroying my belief <laughs> yeah. or that or you know that
1: belief is destroying the yeah. way that I think. Yeah. So you yeah. probably change that one. Uh-huh. So that's the the back end of this thing is wait a minute like it's good to find out where you're wrong. Yeah. That's how you can get better. Yeah. And it's like oh but what if I'm wrong about what I believe about God? Yeah, that sucks. But wouldn't you want to find that do you want to be wrong about what you believe about God? No way. But you see what we're like, the, the issue here is we're guarding so much against being wrong. That's really the argument. Like, what's the big deal if all I know for sure is what isn't true? Yeah. Well, because then I'm not sure if what I believe is true. Well, <laughs> it's like, are you fully convinced of it? Is what is what you believe objective? Do you have support from it outside of yourself? All these other things we've brought everybody through in the what the fuck still stand. This is just a really high level principle it that is. just proves it really, it comes down again. It simply just comes down to because we don't have all the information. That's it. If we could just help people understand, hey, do you have all the information? No. No. Okay. Well, then it's possible the information you don't have may poke a hole in your beliefs. That's literally all we're saying here. Huh. We say it like that, it feels a little better than like all we know for sure is what isn't true. That's why, oh, that line, all we know for sure is what isn't true, rocked my world the first time I, I heard that.
0: Hmm.
1: Now what did that, I get, make,
0: what did that make you feel like the first time you heard it?
1: it, it made me feel like my entire foundation was crumbling.
0: Cause I can't know anything for sure.
1: Instead of standing on a rock, I'm standing on quicksand. Got it. But it's like, no, that's not, no. The, the only point there is in how we determine truth. I'm not saying you don't have truth in your beliefs. I'm saying when we're determining truth, we need to account for the information we don't have. Nice. In fact, it's the information we don't have That is more important than the information we do have as it relates to us determining truth. Nice. That's why we need to constantly seek out the contradictions in our lives by embracing causality and being contrastive on ourselves.
0: Amazing. What do you do? Let's say you need to do something or have a conversation with someone or you're trying to figure out a path in in your life to go in and every option you see how it's, how you how it's wrong and you're left with, I have no idea what to do because I could do this, but that see, that's wrong. I yeah. could do this and that's wrong. I could do this and that's wrong. What do I do? What do you do? If you've, do you ever get in that spot? Does that totally. ever sound like, does that sound familiar? And
1: And how do you handle that? I go back to what's the last thing God told me to do. Hmm. Do that. Because really what you're talking about is a person having like a fork in the road with like five forks. They all end up being wrong. It's like, well, what what do I do then? Well, what were you doing before you came to this fork in the road? And this, honestly, what I do is advice you gave me, Pastor Jonathan. Stay on the path. I have all these ideas for different sermons I want to teach and for different directions I want to go with my church and ideas for my life. And I'm like, should I do this? Should I do that? And I'm unsettled. I don't know the answer about any of this. Like, this sounds like a good idea, but I'm not sure. And your your advice to me was stay on the path,
0: Hmm.
1: which is really another way of saying, you already know what God's telling you to do right now, right? You have a path. You have a path you're on. Yeah. Do that. And that is where God's going to tell you which way to go from there. Nice. I don't find a different path for my life by just trying a bunch of different paths
0: or philosophizing the right path.
1: Right. I do what God's telling me to do. And God will take me down that path. He'll show me. He'll show me where I'm wrong. He'll show me what the right path is. He'll confirm it. So that's where that's ultimately where it's like the the first question I ask people when they, they're having a hard time hearing from God or they don't know what direction to take in life is I ask them, what's the last thing God told you to do? And have you done it? Amazing. Which is really that person being contrastive, right? It
0: is. It really is. Can you give us an overview of the strict or limitation side and the loose or freedom side, Pastor Joel.
1: Sure. So the limitation is me being contrastive on you, and not on myself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the freedom side is well, I've already been contrastive. <laughs> you know, the the day I received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now I now what I believe is right, so I don't need to be contrastive anymore. And remember, the freedom side's really guided by avoiding tension. So it is instructed by this belief very much in, in line with the God is love doctrine, defining him as love, leading to this belief of God wouldn't want me to feel this discomfort that you're putting me through.
0: Nice. A question I have for you, Pastor Joel, is when when we're dealing with people and being contrastive and they're being contrastive on our beliefs or when people start asking us questions there is this tendency to get kind of ramped up and nervous and worried um what i'm curious is how do you stay relaxed as people question what it is that you believe like as soon as people start asking questions that's when a lot of tension occurs when we start to feel like uh uh-oh An area my belief is going to be exposed where I'm wrong. And I feel like I give the best answers when I'm outside of the moment, oftentimes. Like I'll wake up in the morning and go, son of a, you know, where I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that in the moment?
1: How many tough interactions have I had where after the fact I think of all the things I should have said?
0: Oh, yes. So how do you stay relaxed? In that, and when you're being questioned, how, how could we, how can I get better at giving those really good answers in the moment?
1: I'll let you know, season six. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, this is something that is uh, a burden that I still am learning very much to bear myself. Mm. And because I do. I think being a teacher in particular and and then just some of the the damage I my church my own church damage my own church hurt a lot of times has been from the strict side on this perspective from the strict side of you know interacting with a lot of pastors and religious authorities who are just being bullies and trying to just intimidate me and show me where I'm wrong yeah. The key for me, I'll say at first the key for everybody is recognizing the most important thing for me to do before stepping into any situation is to make sure my brain or my thought process is in the right spot before stepping into the situation. Which a lot of times, what you uh, and I are doing with each other is we're we're rehearsing, we're helping each other come up. What's your goal? What's your objective? What do you want to accomplish in this interaction? What questions are you looking to be asked? What questions do you want to ask? What is the specific thing you want to walk away with? So I go into these meetings with my brain in, in a spot where I, I am a being objective walking into this place or whatever interaction. And I'm more likely to stick to that objective or to be a benefit to that person if I'm in that spot before walking in, especially if things start ramping up, the tension, mm. I'm more likely to handle it well if I know what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, and how I'm doing it. Now, for me, with the principle of contrastive thinking, when people are trying to poke holes in my own belief, if I'm contrastive and if I practice being contrastive and have grown for this being a principle in my life that I embrace consistently, it tends to not be as hard anymore.
0: Oh, you, you would have a very positive emotion.
1: If people are trying to poke holes in my belief, but I'm already a person who thinks contrastively on a regular basis. It's like, okay, well this, these are questions I've already been through.
0: Oh, you're, 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 you must be trying to help me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Which would be merciful as well. But here's that. So number one, get your thought process in the right spot. I love that.
0: That's a big deal.
1: And number two, the way to basically be a healthy arguer and to embrace people even being destructive on you is to seek to understand them. Mm. So that's the other thing I do. And so that's usually for me me getting my thought process in the right spot before I step into an interaction with somebody usually means I am stepping into that interaction with the objective to understand that other person. It's usually some, the objective is usually something in line with that.
0: Hmm.
1: So that would be two pieces of advice I'd give to people who want to handle the strict side, coming at them really hard is, Number one, if you, if you have time before this interaction to prepare yourself, take it, talk to somebody, get counsel. Number two, seek to understand that other person and you can't lose. If that's your goal, the only way you can lose is if that other person doesn't want to be understood.
0: Amazing. Oh, that is such good advice. I want to remember that. I want to remember to have, to have that plan, have a plan, have an objective, have a goal and focus on understanding. Just ask questions, find out Yeah. someone asks you a question and you don't know where it's coming from. You can always just ask what, you know, what do you mean?
1: Yes. Question the questioner even.
0: Yeah. Can you help me understand what, what it is that you, that you mean by that? Why are you
1: asking this or what's, yeah. yeah, What do you, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. So we are in the God's will series. Yes. And all of these principles that we're covering should connect back to God's will. Yes. How is, we call this the connect the doctrine game. Pastor Joel, how is contrastive thinking and God's will connected?
1: So, The easy answer for any one of these four principles that determine truth is to connect it to the answer I gave in the truth episode, which is, you know, that's how God does everything is through truth. I'll get a little bit more specific with this one, though, because really the very reason we're still not experiencing God's universal will, meaning The reason we're not all in heaven or in the, you know, in the new Jerusalem right now with Christ as our, our groom is because God, the father is contrastive on his own plan. Hmm. Simple way of seeing that is this. God has set up multiple different methods of which he has interacted with humanity since Adam and Eve. A lot of times these are called dispensations.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: People call it the providence of God or how he is interacting with the world and with humanity.
0: Nice.
1: That has changed. A simple way of recognizing that is just the difference between the law and the Holy Spirit. Right. I think even even uh, the lay Christian understands things are different now than when we are under the law. Now, a way to see this is on judgment day, you know, the thing that happens when justice will eventually be equaled out and really before what it's the last big event that happens before God's universal will begins no one will be able to stand before God and say, you know, I can see how this could have worked a different way. Like, did you ever try this? Hmm. Did you ever interact with humanity according to this way? Well, what if this happened? What if humanity was able to live for 800 years, then they'd all choose you. Right. Or what if you gave us a list of, Of rules and told us what we could and couldn't do. Then we'd do it. Or you know what? Why not give us your spirit in our very hearts? (laughs) Then we won't mess up. Awesome. No, God was contrast. What about living with Jesus? Let's do more. (laughs) Yeah, there's more. Yeah, what about Jesus reigning and ruling for a a thousand thousand years? years? So these are all different. Ways that God has interacted with humanity over the years, being contrastive to where, when we finally get to his universal will and what that looks like, his ultimate will, he will have proven that it's the only way that this can work for eternity because God is contrastive. On his own will. Amazing. That is
0: spectacular. Can you bring us through the three categories of people, how they respond to this issue in the church, but let's look at it according to people's self-esteem.
1: Yeah, this one's pretty simple with uh, basically you put the, how do we handle being wrong through self-esteem? Someone with low self-esteem is just simply they, they want to avoid being wrong because of the tension of that. Someone with mid self-esteem recognizes they are wrong and they just may struggle with, you know, they, they have the ability to, to find where they're wrong, but maybe they aren't yet quite on the journey of actively looking for those areas yet
0: mm-hmm.
1: when they become aware of it they'll respond well or they have the ability to respond well that would be the mid self esteem where with the high self esteem is not only do they handle finding out areas they're wrong well they seek it out and admit when they're admit when they're wrong and that's really because these people know this is this is the best way for me to continue to to grow amazing
0: and finally can you remind us once more what the ultimate answer is?
1: The ultimate answer for the principle of contrastive thinking is the ability to consider the opposite perspective that I hold, and that's oh, that's nice. The op- the ability to consider the opposite perspective that I hold. Yeah, that's good. I like that.
0: That is, you know, it's it's on.
1: On it's me. On, I like that. Me. Yeah, that's great. It's Thank on you. Me.
0: Awesome. Uh, One final question. We, we kept saying that this is the most powerful of the four principles. Why is it the most powerful again, Pastor Joel?
1: Well, we'll see that when we get to the, the fourth principle, the principle of growth that we're going to cover next, but, but really The the key, I'll just tell you, the key to growth is to finding out where we're wrong. So you're going to see how all four of these principles really play into each other. They're all very interdependent. So we keep saying, or I keep joking, and you added to it where I say these principles need to be used together, used together, used together, used together. together." (laughs) there it is. I think it takes more work to use them separately than it does using them together. Nice. Because, I mean, Mm -hmm. you think about the principle of cause, especially here's two, an example, non-contradiction and contrastive thinking. I mean, what am I doing when I'm thinking contrastively? Go ahead, Pastor Jonathan. Think contrastively as hard as you can without embracing the principle of non-contradiction. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. I, yeah. I don't I mean, get that. No, it doesn't. Cause that's what you're looking for. Contrastive thinking is really the thing that instructs you to look for contradictions. Okay. But so anyways, my point being with contrastive thinking, it really gets to the heart of what we need in order to determine truth. We need to remove all the information that's wrong. Yeah. That's why it's the most powerful.
0: Got it. Yeah. So it's like, plucking all of those uh beams
1: that are in our eye right it is is being contrastive where are all of these beams yep. so i it's not i wouldn't say it's the most important but it is the most powerful and i would say and that's a great thing you just said there you know it, it, another way we another way i could say answer that question and say this is and it, we've said this before in a previous episode can't remember what season but You and I believe God wants to work through us 100% of the time at 100% capacity.
0: Mm.
1: The reason it's ever less than 100% qualitatively and quantitatively is because we are hindering him. That's
0: right. Yeah.
1: Contrastive thinking is us finding those ways that we're hindering God. That's why it's the most powerful
0: because it's getting to
1: the heart of the things we do to hinder his will from happening.
0: Thank you, Pastor Joel. Thank you to everyone who's listening. This has been the Music of Life Church podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you'd like to hear a certain topic, please let us know. We'll see you next time.